welcome to Cornwall Insight's latest monthly podcast discussing major trends, challenges and issues confronting the energy sector. So I'm Tim Dixon and I'm the wholesale team lead here at Cornwall Insight and I'm joined by... James Brabham here, so I'm a consultant in our consultancy team here at Cornwall Insight covering, uh, usefully for today, PPAs, routes to market and subsidy schemes. Thank you. So today we'll be discussing corporate power purchase agreements a term which has been somewhat of a buzzword in the renewables industry over the past year, and it's suggested that corporate PPAs might be able to fill the gap uh, in renewables deployment as subsidy schemes such as renewables obligation and feed-in tariff uh, disappear. James, uh, do you want to describe what a corporate PPA is? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I suppose many of the listeners will be aware of a general framework of what a power purchase agreement is. Really, with a corporate PPA, it's it's quite similar in terms of what it what it's there to do. It's generally a long term uh, offtake agreement. Uh, the differences with a corporate PPA, by the name, is that it normally has three parties to it. So, importantly, for all the deals, it will still need a supplier involved. Uh, in the GB market anyway because of the license arrangements that, that we have here and trading arrangements that we have. So one of the parties or another party needs to have a supply license. But typically there's there's a few structures you could use for a corporate PPA in GB and they have been used so far. Uh, the first one is what we call a sleeved or a direct physical uh, corporate PPA. So that's effectively when you would have uh, a generator and a corporate agreeing some sort of 15-year Uh, maybe 10 to 15 year agreement uh, around uh, the sale of electricity, any associated certificates to prove greeners such as uh, Renewable Energy Guarantee of Origins, Regos, um, and a price guarantee between the two of them. Uh, What they will then do is sign another uh, contract, usually another PPA with a supplier. Uh, That can be with a number of different suppliers. Many of the larger suppliers in the GB market have offered them in the past. Um, And what they tend to do in that position is effectively what we call sleeve the power. So any volumes that the corporate cannot use or the generator cannot generate at times when it's needed or not needed, uh, the supply will be there to top up and spill uh, those volumes and they'll do that for a fee. So that's the most common agreement we've seen. And we're going to talk about later in the podcast how uh, those agreements can be quite complicated, but that's the general structure. Uh, The other structure that is generally a little bit newer, but is coming through, is uh, the indirect uh, corporate PPA structure. So this is a little bit more complicated uh, structurally, but a little bit more simple contractually. Uh, And what it basically is, is is a direct PPA between the generator and the supplier. So the supplier deals with all the volumes of the generator. And then a price guarantee, perhaps a contract for different style arrangement between the generator and the corporate. And what that allows for is a little bit more flexibility on uh, pricing arrangements, on contracting arrangements. And it also uh, effectively means that you could have different corporates or more than one corporate signing up uh, with the generator for that. Um, Main thing to take from it, I suppose, Tim, and you'll probably know this as much as me, is that you always need a supplier involved in there somewhere to manage the power and manage the volumes unless you do it yourself. Uh, so yeah, that's the overview of uh, of corporate PPAs. One thing I would say, and this is probably a question back to you because you, you're asking me questions too, is uh, why would you go for them? Because I've explained to it there and we've been on them before. They're quite complicated to sign. So why would you sign a PPA in this way instead of a standard PPA? Uh, they're not all that simple. Uh, non- nonetheless, uh, corporate PPAs do remain relatively attractive for both developers and uh, corporates if agreements can be reached. So really, the first main reason 
that they're used, uh, starting from the corporate side, is something called corporate social responsibility or, or CSR reasons. So there's something called the RE100 initiative or Renewable Energy 100 initiative which is a collaborative global initiative uh, where very large blue chip businesses commit to being 100% uh, renewable electricity uh, supplied. And there's about 160 companies that have signed up to this initiative uh, worldwide. And without listing them all, some of the, the key companies uh, that have come out and said um, that they're going to supply their businesses with 100% renewable electricity have included uh, Apple, Facebook, uh, Gatwick and Heathrow Airports, uh, BT, Sky, uh, HSBC, Tesco's, the list goes on. And uh, as you will have heard, many of them are active in the UK and they've all signed up to this uh, this initiative to be 100% renewable electricity. Effectively, it provides proof of greenness uh, by having a corporate power purchase agreement to their customers. And you can, you can also stand in front of your shareholders and say that you're contributing to decarbonisation and sustainability. Uh, it also, on the corporate side, can provide uh, businesses with long-term certainty over the costs of their energy. We're all aware that the cost of energy over a number of years has, has risen. Um, it can be very volatile uh, and so represents a, a, large, uh, <clears throat> a large uncertainty um, in, in the costs underlying any business. Um, however, by having a corporate power purchase agreement with renewable generators, you can provide some st stability over the future of your power price. However, uh, that is actually seen as much as a barrier as it is to a benefit to the corporate, which we'll, we'll come on to a bit later. So those are perhaps the benefits from the, the corporate side. Um, but from the generator's point of view, uh, a corporate PPA uh, provides a long-term route to market for your electricity. Uh, essentially, as a generator, you always want to have someone purchasing your electricity. And if you can get that guaranteed for a really long period of time, then that's great for you. Uh, so these corporates uh, are essentially blue chip companies with high credit ratings. Uh, and so uh, you can be comfortable that if you sign into an agreement that is 15, maybe 20 years in length, that they'll still be there in 15, 20 years time over the length of the agreement. And you can essentially guarantee a return on your investment uh, for your project that you have developed. Yeah, they are a really good source of uh, stability, aren't they, for, for a generator? Uh, I suppose the, the next question, have they been utilised? Obviously, they can be attractive, even though they're complex. Have we got examples of them in, in the UK? So, in a word, yes. We do have corporate PPAs uh, in the UK. We have about 400 to 500 megawatts uh, that have currently been signed uh, in, in our market here. However, compared to the uh, rest of the world, it's perhaps relatively still uh, a small amount. So we've got more than 32 gigawatts of corporate PPAs signed worldwide since 2008. Uh, but the ma majority of that has come from America. Um, so to list some that have actually been signed in the UK, we've got EDF have signed uh, a deal with BT for a uh, 72 megawatt onshore wind farm. Baywa have signed uh, deals with uh, Nationwide for solar PV. Uh, Aneco signed onshore wind uh, farms with Mars. Uh, so there are many examples uh, out there. But they're all subsidised, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in on Tim here and say they are all under subsidised arrangements under the ROC scheme, if I'm not if I'm not wrong. Yeah, exactly. So every single project that I've just listed 
has been uh, subsidised under either the renewables obligation uh, scheme or feed-in tariff scheme. Uh, and so they uh, they have had a revenue advantage over what we see uh, in the subsidy-free world. So, the What's the difference subsidy-free then? What is the difference between that and... Uh... So it's subsidy free. The problem, James, is that when subsidies disappear, the developers become much more reliant on the wholesale power price alone. But wholesale power prices are very volatile, uncertain, and the trading horizon of uh, of the wholesale power market is about three to five years at a maximum. Um, it, even that's a stretch, far short of the investment time frame of fifteen to twenty years that you're looking at for a brand new renewable project. So. That has been uh, a major barrier um, in terms of subsidy-free projects coming to fruition. The fact that you're relying just on uh, just on the uh, wholesale power price alone, which is uh, volatile. The other barrier is perhaps that these deals are very transactional. They're often very complicated deals, which are lengthy to negotiate, and there's no standardised product in the market. Uh, with conventional PPAs, uh, with subsidised projects, but perhaps just between an off-taker and a generator, there's lots of standardised product uh, products in the market, and they are relatively easy to sign. Uh, but that isn't the case in uh, in the corporate PPA market. And as an extension of this, um, there's a lot of complexity around finding the right price uh, level that both secures investment for the project, uh, essentially making it viable and remains attractive for the corporates. A corporate won't enter into an agreement, into a 15 to 20 year agreement uh, at a fixed price, which is above the market price of electricity. I've mentioned already that the trading horizon uh, in the wholesale power market is, is three to five years at maximum. Uh, we're looking at a 15 to 20 year investment here. If for some reason the wholesale power price were to decrease significantly in that time and you've locked yourself into a 15, 20 year deal, then suddenly as a corporate, you're at a competitive disadvantage to perhaps your uh, your competitors who, uh, who are just purchasing electricity from the wholesale market. Um, yeah. So that has been... Uh, it's tough, isn't it? It's, and we, we've worked on a few deals actually over the past couple of years and, and helped people scoping this market. And, and that's one of the big ones that's come up on both the generation and the, the corporate side is the corporate saying, you know, if, if the wholesale price, you know, really does fall over the next five years, if, if that's where the forecasts are going, can we get out of this deal? Um, and the generators on the other side going, actually, if the deal got so bad for the corporate, would they want to get out of our deal and, and not sign it? And there, there is a lot of complexity in doing that and a lot of compensation attached to the contracts we've seen. But it is a risk of you have to trust the price forecasts over the next 15, 20 years and hope they hold true uh, to lock in a deal for that long, don't you? Which is, which is very difficult to do, I would say, at the moment. Exactly. And that's why you can start to see why these deals can often be really lengthy to negotiate. Probably the last point, I want to I want to touch on on that question is there's also a very limited pool of buyers uh, in terms of there's a limited number of companies that have the, the necessary credit rating and the desire to be 100% uh, renewable electricity. Uh, there's a limited number of these companies out there who are actually able to sign the deals and all of them want something different. They want a different price. They want different sized projects, um, perhaps supplied by different technologies. So uh, there are still many barriers to the uptake, uh, especially for subsidy free um, corporate PPAs to, to bring forward new renewables. So I suppose uh, uh, next question uh, that I'll probably point to you, James, is 
uh, is anyone actually trying to do this subsidy free? We I listed several um, uh, corporate PPAs that have been signed, but they're all based on subsidies. Has anyone actually managed to achieve this in the subsidy free space? Yeah, so people are looking at, at doing it, and I think that's hence the podcast really is is that effectively, although there are a lot of barriers that we've discussed. Um, people are trying to do this in the market and people are looking at uh, different ways, different arrangements to try and secure these deals, mainly because in, in a market where, as Tim mentioned before, subsidies are disappearing or in the case of the CFD are, are very much restricted on the technologies that they can incorporate, uh, people are trying to use this as a route to market, as we mentioned before. So there's a number of different ones out there. You know, We've got a couple of examples and I'll, I'll relate to some internationally as well. One of the really interesting ones, which is trying to utilise this kind of synthetic indirect approach is uh, Vattenfall with their South Kyle uh, wind farm, uh, where effectively they're trying to sign a, a multitude of what I would call mini PPAs uh, with industrial and commercial INC and also SME, small and medium enterprise uh, businesses. Uh, they've said actually they would go down to a one megawatt size of, of PPA if, if, they, if it was willing to be negotiated. So they're looking to chunk that power and sell it out into the market. It's really a very new structure. There. Very, very new, yeah, in terms of how it's how it's structured. It would be very much similar, as I said, to this indirect structure. So, you know, Vattenfall would take on the power, sell it to a utility, arguably internally to themselves, but have some sort of long-term price agreement or CFD with these business customers uh, to utilise that power. Again, great from their point of view in securing green power. As long as they like the price hedge, it might be useful. Uh, the difficulty I suppose there is trying to work out any sort of credit facilities that might be needed in times of when uh, paying for or paying back the energy is needed with these smaller companies but a really interesting and innovative example there's other ones that are coming through there are kind of platforms and portals a number of them in in Europe that are looking to come into GB Um, we've kind of term them at Cornwall kind of matching sites or dating sites for generators and corporates. Not that that would be a very attractive uh, dating website, but effectively a number of kind of portals and platforms that a generator or a corporate can come online and say, effectively, I would like a long-term deal for power at a set price. Uh, what type of generators are out there that can meet those needs? So one of the ones in, in GB that was doing that was, was Almac. Uh, who I believe have just been bought out actually by the South Pole company. Um, but again, doing that kind of corporate PPA matching uh, in the market. Uh, one thing I would mention about much of this is it is very site specific. So the the biggest kind of deal we've seen recently, and we'll come on to some other examples as well, uh, was in uh, Sweden, where uh, a project which was um, sponsored and put forward by the Green Investment Group uh, signed a 29-year deal, I believe it was, with Norsk Hydro, uh, one of the big uh, kind of aluminium smelting companies in Sweden. Um, amazing in terms of the length of the deal and the size of the project. I think it's about 230 megawatts. So the scale of the project was massive, as, as we we're saying. And, and also what was uh, really interesting is with the corporate it was with. So Norsk, Norsk Hydro, I think it's a triple B uh, credit rating uh They've been on that site for a very, very long time. It's got long-term guarantees of sales. So in terms of trying to compare that to other markets, it's difficult, and we'll come on to other examples. But it's just worth noting that many of these deals, whether it's the ones in the UK that we mentioned or abroad, are very much dependent on the specifics of the of the corporate, the specifics of the generator, the site as well, uh, and also how keen they are to, to kind of get the deal over the line. But just an interesting example from another country that, as we've mentioned, 10 to 15 years is this long-term view. It can be 29 years if you really want it to, which is almost double. 
So, I mean, you've mentioned that there's lots of innovative new structures that are taking place so that subsidy-free corporate PPAs can be signed. But why aren't they happening at scale in the UK yet? I mean, the USA has seen 16 gigawatts of corporate PPA signed in a single year, uh, which is uh, well above the 400 to 500 megawatts that we've got signed uh, in the history of the GB market. So why, why is it, James, that the USA has seen such a, a vast number of corporate PPAs? Yeah, 16 gigawatts is crazy, isn't it? That's basically about a third of the GB renewables market getting built in, in, in one year under corporate deals. So obviously the, the scale is a bit different with the US, but... Um, a few, a few reasons that, and these are more of our kind of views on it uh, in terms of why we think it's different, but there are a few things we know and we can kind of speculate on as well. One of the big ones is the demand base and the, the appetite for corporate PPAs. In the British market and in Europe as well, there tends to be a much heavier weighting on the generators trying to seek these deals than the corporates. Or there's a lot of corporates out there, the kind of number of generators as versus the corporates who would want a corporate PPA is weighted heavily on the generators. Uh, in the USA, that balance is slightly more even, but also you've got some major, major corporates over there with, with huge demand bases. So I think the top, some of the top 10 of these corporate PPA deals in terms of companies signing them were Facebook, Amazon, Google, Ikea over there as well, Microsoft, uh, effectively a lot of large tech companies and especially with their data centers and the amount of electricity they're consuming uh, and also as Tim mentioned their aims to be green uh, then they are in a strong position to sign these PPAs with a strong credit rating and basically are after a hell of a lot of electricity to be to be green in a short period of time so that's one of the big one but of that the big can't be the only reason can it no it's not just facebook that's that's driving this and the tech company so one of the other things that's slightly different over there um, and it may well have an effect is there is still the ability to access kind of other forms of revenue or at least other forms of um offset compared to gb so as we've talked about the gb at the moment with, without access to a subsidy uh, uh an onshore wind or a solar project's revenue is, is totally incumbent to the wholesale price, really, and any other additional maybe network benefits you can get. Uh, in the USA at the moment, there's still a number of schemes in different states that allow you to have tax offsets for production of renewable electricity. So this normally takes the form of um, post-build receiving up to about a 30% tax uh, incentive or tax uh, offset on your tax bill as the generation owner of the site. Um depends state by state uh, some of them are before you build some of them are after it depends how you do it um, but that obviously is a quite a nice financial incentive that we don't have here that allows a corporate and a generator to effectively say okay you know, this deal will help us both save potentially on this on this out, outlay um, one of the big states that does that I think is Texas where they've got obviously great wind and solar conditions I think about 30 of the 70 or so deals that were signed recently were in Texas so and obviously um, the the conditions in Texas are probably yeah. pretty different different to what they are in GB right yeah so we are speculating in February obviously but sunshine wise it's a bit better and even onshore wind is a very good uh, load factor over there so just a couple of the reasons that you've seen a big difference there really so okay um it's really taking off uh, in, in, in the US uh, and starting to take off uh, in the UK. Um, how can this really be helped or how can the GB bring forward more uh, more corporate PPAs without subsidy going forward? Um, 
at a scalable amount? Or is it even possible that corporate PPAs are going to come through in GB at as large a scale as we've seen in the US? Yeah, it's a good question, really, because it, the conditions you know, for development of, of this kind of market aren't too dramatically different from where it's been successful in the US as a case study. You know, you've got a decent number of corporates, falling levelized cost of energy for onshore wind and solar, projects desperate to get on the system in the next few years, um, and a strong kind of financial, legal advisory background that can enable these contracts which are quite complex to happen so what can help that i think you've probably got some ideas as well some of the things we would probably suggest that might help are uh, this multi-corporate offer or multi-corporate offer i should say so maybe allowing smaller businesses to try and sign these contracts and do some sort of uh, contract for difference arrangement one of the big ones that hasn't been explored yet but, but might be i think in the future is um not pure play renewables. So as we know, there's loads of different ways you can access revenue now in in the markets through kind of flexibility services, although they tend to be quite short-term deals. Um, perhaps instead of having a pure 100% solar project that, that runs for a corporate, perhaps it could have a battery associated with it. Perhaps it could earn extra revenue from doing that. Perhaps you could reduce the price of the supplier having to manage the power if the battery or some sort of flexibility asset was on the site to, to reduce those costs. Um, one of the other ones, perhaps integrating it with, with subsidy. So in Ireland, uh, at the moment, with the introduction of the red scheme coming through over there, they're looking at perhaps integrating corporate PPAs into the scheme. And now it's very early stages at the moment, so they haven't really got too much detail on how it might be done. But why couldn't a, a, a GB CFD auction be set up where it, where it has these factors that have a corporate on one side and a generator on the other. Uh, that's just some of the ideas. They're some of our ideas that we're thinking about consultancy. I don't know if you've got any as well, Tim, in terms of what you're thinking or what the scale could be. So I can certainly comment on perhaps uh, on, on the scale. Um, to put this all into context, uh, according to National Grid's future energy scenarios, uh, it's two degree scenario in particular, which is often used as a benchmark of what needs to happen for us to achieve our decarbonisation targets. We need approximately 96 gigawatts of renewables capacity by 2030, 147 gigawatts by 2040, and 169 gigawatts by 2050. And you can't really forget that by 2050, all approximately 42 gigawatts of renewables that is currently on our system is going to virtually need to be replaced anyway by 2050, meaning that we're going to need about 169 gigawatts uh, of new investments uh, in order for us to meet our 2050 decarbonisation targets. So um, maybe you've got a different view, James, but uh, while while corporate power purchase agreements could certainly um, help support some of that investment, it's perhaps not scalable to the level that we need in order to achieve our decarbonisation targets. Yeah, I don't think you're being controversial, Tim, by saying it. We're not going to fill capacity with uh, corporate PPAs that deliver that on a, on a scale. We've got 400 megawatts there, as you said, so it's a start. I suppose one thing we, we would probably want to say is that effectively they can help get to that target. They might help in terms of um, achieving some of the way of getting there, bringing some new players into the market, perhaps even incentivizing companies in other sectors to invest in energy if they're looking for a 100% green deal and, and can't find that in the market themselves they might be incentivized to build um, however as you say they seem to be a bit more of a part of the uh, process of getting to that level than the full solution uh, themselves 
So we've spoken through a number of the different ways that we could see development. Tim, I know this is a bit of a uh, speculative question for you, but if we were to sit here in a year's time and say, okay, this market is developing, it's still going to develop, uh, what might be the case in a year's time in terms of new projects or new developments? What do you think might happen? So, yeah, yeah, that is very speculative, Um, James, uh, and I'll try not to throw an exact number uh, out there. So uh, the pipeline of new renewables uh, is is massive of of what's looking for uh, subsidy free routes to market, such as corporate PPAs. Uh, But in terms of of what we know, Lightsource BP recently announced that it wants to develop more than 300 megawatts of uh, new solar farms. Uh, which uh, it plans to supply power to uh, some corporate counterparties. Uh, And we're aware that there are uh, several other of these deals in the market that could take the total to perhaps above 400, 500 megawatts uh, of new subsidy-free projects under corporate PPAs in the next year, effectively uh, perhaps doubling what we we already have um, over the next year. Uh, But definitely certainly remains a pretty uncertain question uh, at the moment. Uh, off to its true scale and potential. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So developments in the pipeline, but as we will probably always say with this market, we have to wait and see on the specifics of each deal and each counterparty and, and each generator, but exciting times anyway. Well, thanks, James. So uh, only time will really be able to tell uh, how much uh, comes through comes through under corporate PPAs. Uh, that's really all we have time for uh, on today's podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening and thanks james for um for being here yeah no worries happy to be here in the meantime if any of the topics that we've discussed today um are of particular interest to you there are a number of services we provide around uh, around renewables um from a range of subscription based uh, reports that we do uh, as well as consultancy services and uh, training in these areas so please don't uh, hesitate to get in touch with us uh, if you're interested Uh, But thank you very much for listening.